Outside a Thread is recorded on the unceded territory of the Wurundjeri people of the Eastern Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land I broadcast from. I recognise their ongoing legacy and connection to land, waters and culture, and pay respect to their elders, both past and present. I extend this respect to all other First Nations people of this continent, whose stolen land our infrastructure and digital connectivity is built upon. Hey, I'm Darcy, and you're listening to Outside a Thread. I'm a bit sick this week, so my voice is a little bit nasal in the mic. I'm sorry for that. For this week's episode of Outsider, I sat down with Lynn Tran, aka Fuckhead. Having recently moved to Sydney, Lynn grew up in Brisbane, a city that's become a cultural phenomenon as the breeding ground of DJs and producers like X Club, Skin on Skin, and James James James. While she's now focusing on DJing, Lynn previously worked in both music marketing and international fashion buying and production. She's got a CV that's both diverse and impressive, and we explore why she decided to step away from these roles to focus solely on music. This year, Lynn won the IAI Hall Berlin DJ Mix Challenge and flew over to record a mix in the iconic bathroom store. This incredible opportunity revitalised her passion for music and DJing, but the overseas experience also came with some reality checks. If you like listening to Outside a Thread, be sure to subscribe now and stay tuned for future episodes coming each Wednesday. You can also follow my Instagram at Outside a Thread. We are good. Okay, we are good. good. Well, Buckhead, thank you so much for coming on and <laughs> joining me today, making the time. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, it's been a real pleasure. I feel like this was a very serendipitous meeting, how we met a couple of weeks ago on the street and then in the back of the Uber. A very, very fast friendship. Fast, fast friendship. friendship. Yeah, um, friends helping friends. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to do some retail <laughs> shopping with you post yes. this. Um, so, you're here in Melbourne for the weekend. You're going to play XC tonight at the new venue. Feeling good about it? Is this? Are you playing Melbourne quite regularly at the moment? I'm, well, I'm one, two, but I did a week, a, a gig couple of weeks ago, um, and this might, will be my, my third time overall playing in Melbourne, mm. but XC is kind of a big deal in my eyes because I'm, I don't know, I never thought I'd be able to play at XC, so I'm so excited to debut there. Debut in a main room moment as well. I know, so, yeah. I know, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, but I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And so today, what were you up to in the morning? Just chilling what did out? I do today? I just went for coffee with some friends and that's pretty much it. And just walking around the city. So, and I'm now I'm doing this and then I got to go home and prep the set. So yeah, ready mm-hmm. for tonight. Yeah. And so I saw that you, I guess, first thing that I saw on your Insta when I looked you up was that you had won the whore Berlin contest with yes. a collab with AI, AI, yeah. AI, 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 whatever they yeah. call it. Um, yeah. So big moment for you. I know that you were kind of like feeling a bit down on your music at the time when you sort of won that. So it like came through at a good moment. When did you get mm-hmm. back from Germany? I got back around a month ago. I think a month now. Yeah. But it was, I, I was feeling quite down and I think that winning the competition was definitely a sign to not quit mm. but i was quite close to quitting well i was i was like yeah like this is a a send off so i saw that competition and at that point i was already pretty you know solid on quitting djing mm. or just making mixes and not doing gigs because my anxiety 
at the time was just too much. And then I felt my work had no value. I felt I wasn't, you know, getting picked up. And yeah, and then I, so I just submitted the mix thinking, all right, this is a great goodbye. This is a good, like, it was sad to say goodbye to all the work and everything like that, but I just couldn't do it mentally. So I sent the sent the mix in and then, yeah, a few weeks later I heard that I won and I cried. I cried so much because I felt a weight was lifted off and that there was some value in the end. It's like a whore-shaped message from God or something. <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly. And I, it's such a, it was such a surreal experience because, you know, you're watching your favourite artist play that over the years and you step into that room and you realise this is where they were, you know, mm. now I get to be there and I felt so grateful. I was definitely incredibly nervous, but I feel like the it's not about anyone else. It's not about anything. It's just the fact that I get to be there and be in that room. It didn't matter about how it came off or anything like that because I put, you know, my heart and what felt right into it. So, mm. yeah. And, yeah, it seemed like people were blowing it up on the YouTube, which is always good to hear. Like, I, the, pos- the comments are really positive. I did not. I, I was I, – I did not want to watch it back. I did not – want to read any comments i was just so nervous about that too but i had to obviously go through and cut up the clips and post it on instagram and stuff mm. but that was like the extent i didn't want to watch it through again yeah, yeah. just like do the art and leave yeah yeah and how so you were over there it was you who won and also a girl from brazil did yep. you get to spend a bit of time like growing down with the whore team or the iii team or? yep so there were actually three winners in the whole world so there was also um an artist in turkey but um, something happened with his visa last minute and it got rejected so he couldn't go. It was so sad. But he will, like, come yeah, in the future. Yeah, And then it was also, yeah, Jacqueline um, from Brazil. Uh, we, the II team, yeah, we spent, like, the first couple of days with them. It was awesome. And they were so kind and so caring and it was just, I, I love them so much and, like, the best team that you could possibly, like, work with. And they're amazing. Mm. Yeah. So mm. you came back to Australia kind of feeling pretty inspired and like you want to keep pushing with mm-hmm. this? I think definitely. However, like a lot of, there's been a lot of personal change, like, sorry, changes in my personal life that um, has kept me, kept my mind a bit distracted, but I'm now, I definitely know where I want to go with music and I'm putting everything that I have into music right now, like everything. Mm, yeah. Which is definitely very hard to do so I applaud you for that because I think it's like especially um I guess like looking at Instagram I know that you have a job working in retail as well and like outwardly it looks as though like DJing is your entire career but you have to to live in Sydney and to be cool is actually very hard so I you have to hold down like part-time job as well don't you in addition yeah so I was so the thing is one of the changes in my that happened the week that I got back was and I'm gonna be open about this because it's um so normal and but with the economy at the moment, companies are making people redundant. Mm. So I got made redundant from my full-time role, oh. the, like the day I got back. True. Yeah. Sorry, the day I, yeah, the day after I got back, sorry. And I got made redundant and I was very stressed out because, you know, obviously come back from Europe already. Like, Skinned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> already fucked. And then, um, but luckily I was still in the books for, you know, a, a job and, uh, so I'm just working there casually and I figured instead of bouncing into another full-time role as I always do because that, that working full-time became a safety net you know mm. what I mean it was like oh okay if I don't DJ much I still have this income but I realized I've never taken that leap to 
just go into music full time and I think now is the best time to do it because I feel like music is um yeah what I all I have at the moment so I really want to go full time into that and re- but really really try so that I can look back like it's not even about trying to make it big or being cool or anything like that it's just I want to do it for me and the for the fact that I care so much about it and that I can look back and know that okay I've done you know I've you done push it to yeah, the highest point yeah that you can yeah as long as I know that I did my best that's fine because that's the same kind of mentality I had with the whole set it was kind of like as long as I know that I've done like what's true to myself and that everything that I wanted to do it doesn't matter what people think and it doesn't you know because I was there like I was the one that did that no one else did I put the mix in you know what I mean mm. so yeah yeah it's pretty interesting I feel like that f- that idea, I feel think about it a lot as well. Like, I have a really strong desire to look back on my past and especially with the radio show and, like, my objective is to know that I've pushed it to the furthest point that I can push it, mm-hmm. which is, it's I'm I'm proud of you for, like, you know, taking Thank the leap you. of, like, going into part-time work and not relying on full-time work because I think that I kind of actually had an inverted thing with it because previously I was working at, like, I was working in a hospital gig, mm-hmm. which is not good for the health, too much drinking, but I think that <laughs> I am someone who has had lofty ambitions for so long but also gets eaten by the Melbourne machine. And yeah. so, for me, work has actually been really... Full-time work, I've come to recognise recently, has been really good for me because it's, like, you know, at my full-time work, work is just something that I do, but mm-hmm. it allows me to, like, be productive and then I am. I know that I'm doing a good baseline and then I can do radio on top of that. And that's, mm-hmm. like, my continuous thing that I'm trying to do is, like, push because I feel like personally with radio I'm at five percent at the moment of like (laughs) making the best thing that I could possibly do and I want to get to a hundred but it's like yeah it's scary because especially like it's good that you feel that you have the motivation and push now and you're using Mm -hmm. it while you have it because I feel afraid if I were to leave work like and have all that spare time Mm -hmm. it's like the pressure is almost too much so I like that I do like I work nine to five. I spend all that time and then anything else is extra. So mm-hmm. it kind of helps me at least because I'm hard on myself, not beat myself up yeah. so much about it. Yeah. But the thing is, I have always worked full time and I think maybe it was the type of jobs that I had too, but the the nine to five also became an excuse as to why, like once you get home from nine to five, I was like, I don't want to put a set together or like mm. the last thing I want to do is fly into state. But I think the end of last year, that's what I was doing and it that's what also caused me to want to quit because the anxiety was also so so bad. Yeah, and it was taking up a lot of space. Yeah, taking up a lot of space became so easy to, you know, make an excuse. And the thing is, um, even going into music full-time now, it, like, I don't always have the motivation. Mm. And that's that's the scariest part, but that's also where I need to challenge myself because that's also me coming out of my comfort zone and really taking accountability for all of it because mm. it's up to me to wake up or it's up to me to um make the time for everything that I need for music you know what I mean um because also the anxiety was caused by um me being incredibly unorganized mm. you know like putting a set together last minute or anything like that and just freaking out but I yeah I need to take accountability of that now and realize you know and just just taking everything everything seriously within music yeah. yeah, it's so it's kind of an interesting one with that sort of like procrastination about something that you care so much about because it's a catch-22 because when you, you get into this cycle of like being inefficient and like avoiding it because you're scared of it, <laughs> but it's actually occupying so much negative space in your mind that if you mm-hmm. were just spending all the time you were 
wigging it, actually working on it, you'd have like <laughs> made something really I cool. Know. So it's like the never ending narrative that I feel like everybody who's doing something creative yeah. goes through. But I'm interested to hear about you working full time before because I know you're working in like product development in fashion. It's, yes. Yeah. So is that what you were doing in when you're in Brisbane and while you're in Sydney? Or so I did that three years ago. Mm-hmm. So four. Sorry. Fuck. For three years, um, mm. from I think 2019 to 2022, something like that. And that job allowed me to go to different states, different countries and everything like that. So I actually got to work in Sydney for a couple months just to kind of try it out. And then it became the perfect time to move to Sydney. So I loved it. And I, the thing is, when I first came to Sydney as well, I had this feeling, feeling of at home that I didn't really have anywhere else of being at home in Sydney yeah so unusual for Sydney I, I know I know <laughs> and I couldn't explain why and I still I do still feel that way um so that's why I decided to make the move and I figured the Brisbane's awesome and it is home to like different kind of home but I felt like the op- I, I felt like I did not yeah I did a lot there and I wanted to see if I could kind of start from scratch in Sydney and see if I could just, again, you know, put everything into it and just see where I would end up. So, yeah. Yeah. And although I have a lot of friends in Brisbane, the ceiling is quite low there as well, which I think is, like, mm-hmm. worth acknowledging. Like, there's definitely a limitation to what you can achieve in those smaller places yep. in Australia. So, yeah, but I do want to go back, and I'm curious about this job because mm-hmm. you, I know that you haven't done any tertiary studies yet. This job sounds pretty cool. Can you tell me what you were doing and how you got into yeah, it? Yeah, so it's... um. I applied at that company. It's a small it's a small company that started in Perth and they end up opening a store in in Brisbane. And I remember walking walking in like I think I was working at I was just working like another retail job at the time and I was just on lunch and I walked past this store and I was like, Oh, and I've been following them for a while and I the funny thing is at the time I was thinking about going to study buying, like fashion mm. buying. And then Anyways, walked past the store and I was like, fuck, I want a job here. So then I, and then coincidentally that night they posted saying they needed casuals or whatever. So then I just sent in my resume, got a call back and then ended up working um, two retail jobs. And then I just um, merged into that one full time. And then after talking to a few people that I realized that you can progress here and I express my interest in the buying and it's very, yeah, everyone's very involved within the company. So then I expressed my interest and they gave me the like, okay, we'll give you a trial. This is how we do buying. No, this is the way we do buying. It's very unconventional, but we'll send you to China, see how you work at, at the wholesale markets or whatever. And the whole premise of the company is also half vintage, half new stuff. So mm. that's why I was going to back and forth between China to uh, create new clothing and developing product. And then in Thailand, I was picking the vintage. So I was going back and forth between. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was me for like three years. And it was yeah, yeah, true. So when you so when you were moving over to China, you were selecting textiles that were gonna be constructed into a garment? Yeah, like- so everything. So so in China it was went to different areas for accessories, for belts, socks, and then it was clothing and sampling and just everything. So it became it was just buying at the start where you just, you know, go into a market, you're like, Okay, A, B and C, great quantities whatever it is and then slowly when covid became a thing that was also like a step up into creating stuff from scratch Mm. via like 
like WeChat, like talking online with them because obviously I couldn't fly over there anymore. But yeah, slowly moving into product development, starting everything from scratch and whatever ideas I had in my head, I had to figure out like the best way to translate it to them. Because there's no, yeah, because I didn't go to school for it. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. But it just kind of worked for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess like with those kind of roles, I feel like the outwardly it's like very glamorous but i can see it was probably a massive amount of work because i'm yeah. not glamorous yeah, <laughs> so not that's, glamorous. yeah, yeah. Th- that's the thing i i think i always try to preface it if 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 it was ever mentioned in any conversation i'm i like at the time i was telling people trust me it's not mm. it's a lot of work it's not glamorous at all it is like like eight to six seven p.m whatever being in a foreign country not knowing the language and just dealing with crazy suppliers being in a crazy place it was it was a lot of work a lot of work and mm. then you're away from home so often as well but i think it made me more resilient and being able to deal with people as well so that was good mm. and do you think i guess like because obviously djing is the thing that you're doing now do you think mm-hmm. that down the line you might explore that a little bit in the future or your the fashion stuff yeah the fashion stuff or even making your own kind of stuff because you do have good taste i the thing is i I love helping people with their brands, like even friends and stuff like that. But I don't know if I will ever dabble in my own Mm. brands just because I feel it is a, I mean, DJing is also saturated, but I, I don't feel 110% about it. Like I'm, I'm all about helping people optimize their kind of brands Mm. and everything like that. But for myself, I don't think that's something that I want to do or that I know that I would put my entire heart into it. You know, the only way for me to be able to do it is if, there was another purpose to it other than just trying to sell shit, if that makes sense. So for me, at, with music, I have my purpose with it is just to be able to put out something positive because music for me, whenever I feel, or I'd like to call it emotionally constipated, like not being able to cry or going through something, music is the only thing that, you know, can help me tap into that and help mm. me express that in a healthy way. And I feel like it's music's like the only way that can help you feel the way that you need to, you know, for whatever mood you're selecting for. Whereas clothing is a great way to express yourself, but I feel like there's already stuff on the mark. You know what I mean? Like there's already yeah, things. Yeah. So for me to do it, it just has to have some type of heart or purpose to it other than As vanity tool, reasons. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like have an impact yeah. on people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drawn to music. Yeah, for sure. And I obviously, yeah, and people, you know, make music to express themselves. They play music to express themselves. That's the whole thing. So I feel like, that's all I really want to focus now. As much as I, because I definitely thought fashion was it for me, though. Mm. I genuinely, at the time, I was like, I'm, I put everything into it. I love this so much. And maybe one day I'll start my, oh, I don't actually, yeah, maybe one day I'll start my own brand. But I don't know. Just didn't, doesn't feel like something I want to do. But who knows? I'd love to, I've always tried to, throughout my career, like combine both. Because I went from fashion and then worked on like creative projects, like styling music videos. And that's how I got introduced more into music. And then moved to Sydney and obviously Sydney, there's a lot of music there. And then I got into DJing and all those things like that. So I tried to combine both. Like I, and then when I moved to Sydney, I worked for a, a music label as well. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is, but um, yeah, I stopped working there and I realized it's like not for me, mm. but I tried to, I was doing merchandising there. So I was working on like the artist merch and everything like that and pr- the production of merch too. So I try to always combine both music and fashion because it is, 
like both things that I love. Yeah. And I think yeah. that both industries are so connected as well. Uh-huh. And that's the thing I feel like with either being in DJ or being in fashion or whatever, it's essentially at the end of the day, it's all about the je ne sais quoi. Yeah. And, the connections. <laughs> and so it like, it's very helpful to operate in that yeah. space. I think that like most people who are DJing or like upcoming in DJing, they have that kind of instinctive awareness of like the scene. And like, although it's like, it's enriching you as well. It's also benefiting you down mm-hmm. the line because it's like building industry awareness of you as someone who's like a relevant individual. Yeah. It goes hand in hand, honestly, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I love them both. I do, but, Music's definitely the focus right now. But yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like that's the thing outwardly in fashion. It was the same with me because I had a job working in fashion when I was mm-hmm. um, young and I was just a, I was a PA for a designer working right. at ERA. And like I was, yeah, it was an interesting role and I really liked what I was doing at the time. But I feel like in fashion, honestly, there's no escaping the intensity of the labor. Like it's actually yeah. just ridiculous. It doesn't matter what level you're on. And I feel like you have to cut your teeth for so long before you do like you have to really want it and i think that at the time although i thought i wanted it when i stepped away i was like if this is what it looks like i don't think it's (laughs) for me but that's but that's what that's what i mean when i say that there has to be something more than just what you can objectively get out of it do you know what i mean so like you said it has to be something that you truly love because i i also out um i didn't go to university but i end up doing my dad was like oh your marks are so shit like you go do hairdressing. So I did that for two years and I realized, like, I liked it, but I also realized, fuck, you really have to love this to stand on your feet yeah. for eight hours a day. And I was like, no, nope, not for me. And I mean, yeah, like, why well, didn't, exp- like, I thought, okay, music's, music got, music's got to be it. So I was definitely shocked when I was, like, willing to let it go for a little bit. But now yeah. I'm back and... I'm not going to let it go. You know yeah. what I mean? And you can have coexisting interests as well. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think, Something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, for me at least, you know, I'm a receptionist at an architecture firm and yep. work is just something that I do. And so mm-hmm. I work full time. I work those hours, but like, it's such a bless. I was, someone asked me last night they were like, what's your dream job? And I said, actually at the moment, which is such a crazy revelation I've had over the past couple months, cause I've mm-hmm. had so much self-loathing about feeling like I should be <laughs> doing something else. I kind of am in my dream job because mm-hmm. at the moment, this is the perfect thing because I can record in this studio here with you that they've generously let me use on yeah. a Saturday. And then I go to work and it's super easy and my cup is still full at the end of the day. And because like, although I'm not doing something that's necessarily outwardly like cool or fulfilling, because even though when I was in fashion, I was maybe not enjoying it as much as I was, but I felt really attached to the prestige. I'm like, this is really cool. Like I've had this kind of ego renaissance or something and I like understand my position and also I can accept like that although it's not what I want to do long-term, it's what works for me at this Mm -hmm. value in time, at this moment in time. Yeah. So the ego thing is very interesting. I think obviously, you know, do what works for you, but I think if you can handle it and if it works for you, having like I, I think it's the only reason why I don't want to have a safety net anymore is because it didn't work for me. Mm. But I think if you can handle it and if it works for what you're doing creatively on top, amazing, that's fine. But the ego thing was crazy because that label I mentioned to you, I I was so grateful to have that job and I felt like I learned a lot. What was However, the role that you were doing there? Uh, so I was doing I was in international marketing and merchandising. Yeah. And I it was it was n- not what I expected and it took such a toll on me mentally and I'm just going to put that out there. Mm. It it destroyed me and then it that anxiety bled into my music. And that's at the start of me 
feeling like I should quit music because I could I was so depressed. Yeah. I was so depressed and anxious and but obviously online it looks so, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah, oh my like, god, she's like killing it. Oh my god. Yeah. But I tell everyone open and honestly that I my soul was crushed. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to but the thing is it was so cool to say that you worked at a label or that you're working at a label. Like it was <laughs> but obviously I but I didn't want to be in that job just because I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I work here, da 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 da, because it was killing my soul. Yeah, and it, it, that's what they say. It's it's a soul sucking industry. It completely is. Mm-hmm. I can say for sure. Like the mainstream side is very soul sucking. I have so many friends who work for music labels here, and it is just that is actually just the fact of the matter is that you know if you work in the music industry, you should expect to work long hours and work overtime and get paid for crumb, get paid crumbs, and be happy to be there. Yeah, and that is just how it works, and you have to just do it and you have to cut your teeth for at least 10 years and you might get promoted maybe but you better be there and you better love it and it's a really intriguing thing because I think that especially you know I have a lot of my friends who are the happiest in the music industry I'll do a big shout out to Johan who's founded IOU um, yeah, Records right, yeah. um, and he like you know he made his own thing and that's like that's amazing mm-hmm. he's pushing it for himself but that's actually very rare most people are kind of like you're a cog in this wheel, especially if you're in a big music mm-hmm. thing. And it's just like, they just take, take, take. Like, it's 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 positive. Like, I have friends who are there and they do it, do it because they love it, but you have to really love it. And I don't think that the conditions should be so that they are. Like, they have overcome huge challenges, but I don't think that they should have to. But I also don't see it changing down the line. No, I think there's been a lot of progress for sure in a lot of areas, which is fine. But I think if you're willing to go into it, you have to understand that there is a big contrast between, say, like even paychecks. You know, you'll see someone in the same office as you that's making like a thousand times more mm. doing. But that's the thing. Like they, they have their own weight to carry and, you know, so that's fine. But I think, yeah, you truly have to love it and truly have to make sure that you're, that you are, the work that you're doing is, you know, being directed in the direction that you want to head to. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but for me, it wasn't. I was just doing the same shit every day. I didn't, I wasn't, I don't feel like I was progressing in any way. That's, the, that's also the problem. I, I, I felt like a cog in the machine yeah. for sure. That's like well put, but yeah, but that's, that's done. That's don't the care. thing. If you mm. had stayed there, you run the risk of also like, you know, you look back and you put all this time and effort into something that you realize actually doesn't matter to you because I think it's mm-hmm. like, it's so hard to be present in the moment, but yeah. happy that it's over. Yeah. But I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have known either, you know, because I, like I said, I wanted to combine both you know, music and fashion. So I thought merchandising and a label would be fucking mm. sick, but it just wasn't what I thought. And I wasn't doing anything creative. I was just doing a lot of admin stuff and I didn't, but that's okay. And I think, I, but I wouldn't have known if I didn't, you know, do it. And even having the opportunity to work there is good. And yeah. I'll always be forever grateful for that. And yeah, although it sucked for a little bit there, and although it sucked to, yeah, that it bled into so many areas of my life, I, I still am grateful it. And yeah. I think it's also important to highlight, you know, you've done a couple of tough jobs in the creative industry or like quote mm-hmm. unquote creative industry because it's like, are these <laughs> yeah. jobs that creative? But mm. it's important to know, I think for you, it's really good because yeah. you have gained a pretty diverse skill set in doing both of those roles and yeah. also understood sure. resi- resilience. And although now you've decided to step away, I think down the line, there's good opportunities for you to mm. also potentially vertically integrate your business if you're able to grow more as a DJ because mm-hmm. you'll be able to design and develop your own merch. It's actually cool yeah. and you can be good at marketing and doing different things. So For it's sure. like, yeah, and also the people element is just like, 
Oh my so god, important. I know. Well, that's the thing about that product that um, the job I had uh, a couple years ago. That job, it was I was like an all rounder and I had to figure out everything myself. And being in, learning how to be in countries alone, learning how to deal with language barriers, like just dealing with like and culturally being in a different place as well. So just being like being willing to kind of figure so many things out on your own, creating systems for yourself. And so again, that job was so difficult as well, but I am so grateful for it. I feel like it doesn't happen every day. And I feel like a lot of things in my life so far doesn't happen every day. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful. And being able to get results outside of your comfort zone is like a skill that you can carry mm-hmm. into pretty much anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it mentally um, makes me more resilient. Kind of, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to return to the topic of people because I was mm-hmm. just thinking about, you know, who you know and who you've met in the industry, but also returning. It's like this really intriguing Brisbane phenomenon because you're a Brizzy <laughs> babe who's like moved yeah. to Sydney, but everyone is from Brisbane. I know. It is so weird. What is with that? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's weird because you don't even think about it. And they're like homies from your hometown, but you don't think about it. And you're like, oh my God, yeah, so much shit has come out from there. Yeah. And I have my list because it's like, it's X Club, Skin on Skin, Stacey MP, James, James, James. It's also like, you know, Confidence Man's from the Gold Coast. Um, Jungle Giants, like my friend Sam is from Brisbane as well. There's like a ridiculous amount of yeah. people. There's probably more as well. I'm like, is Wallaris K from Brisbane? I have no idea. I don't yeah, know I don't anything know. about him. But yeah. Yeah. And so I think like you grew up around like, you know, hanging out with James, hanging out with Sam. All well, these, yeah. I met oh Sam. James, I actually, like, I've known of James, but didn't officially, and then became, like, internet friends and stuff. But, yeah, yeah Sam I met um, when I was, I, I want to say, like, 21 or something. But I'm, Sam's, like, my brother, 100%. Mm. And I'll always hold him in such a high regard because him and James are so incredibly talented. And everyone else that you mentioned on the list as well, like um, Emmanuel, like, Skin on Skin, and Ben and Jesse, X-Club, they're so talented and I feel like they're all of them like I believe that they've really pioneered you know their own sound their and Australian music yeah I think so because like I was talking to Emmanuel when I was in London and we we're talking about that and I said like you and you know X Club especially have pioneered this sound that people want to re- recreate all the yeah, time yeah yeah but it is so cool to see and you know they're only going to get better and Sam as well like but I Seeing Sam play live, and I keep talking about this and I always tell him he's just so charismatic and, like, has so much – I can't even, but I'm excited to – I want to – I'm working on some things that – so hopefully we'll be seeing him next year in Sydney. Cool. Reemergence. Yeah. And you were saying that you're working on some cool things in Sydney at the moment, like some events and – Yeah, so I can't say too much, but I – I'm going to be – so I'm – I did this mix series called Farkin and Friends, and that was just the roundup of people in Brisbane, actually, the people, my homies there, and we just wanted to do something fun. And the whole premise of it is for people to be able to create a mix of whatever genre and whatever length they want that causes no anxiety, but just for them to be able to walk away and be reminded as to why we are doing music. Mm. It's not for anything, you know, it's not for for streams. Yeah, it's just for pleasure. And But I think it is so necessary for you to reignite that, passion yourself because for me personally it died obviously yeah um because of everything in my life but then it was brought back and I realized how much I loved making mixes and I so I wanted my friends to be able to do that and walk away and be so proud of it and want to share it 
um, like to people. And so that I'm going to be doing something with that series. I'm moving forward. I can't say too much. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm so excited to, yeah, keep doing something. I want, I want more good things to be able to come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And more good things to come out of Sydney, which I feel like Sydney really needs, to be honest. Pardon? I was just like, Sydney needs more good stuff on. Like, I actually wanted to ask. It's getting there. I feel like Sydney's so shit. Because you're from Melbourne. Yeah, I know. But does that just mean that, are you saying that like Sydney's not shit, but it's shit compared to Melbourne? Like, No, I think that it's just, like, I think, well, years ago in my brain, I was thinking, I mean, objectively looking into it without having lived in Sydney or Melbourne or anything, I in Brisbane you're like oh Melbourne's like the spot for music mm. you know and then when I moved to Sydney I realized it is very creative there and it's very large also saturated as well it's the saturation thing is interesting though because Melbourne is saturated and c- there's a lot though it, 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 it's saturated it's really in a way centralized? is that what you're I, I don't know at? it's just the it's very saturated like there's like you just know that it is a spot right yeah. and then Sydney now it was saturated with creatives, like fashion things and like all the events always happening in Sydney, like for brand activations mm. and that. But now there's a lot, of, there's a heaps of music stuff happening more so than I've, that I had ever seen. So it is, it, there are a lot of good things and a lot of good people coming out of, like, I think every state. Yeah. But, but I think, um, yeah, it's happening for Sydney. It is the spot. When you say good music stuff happening, I'm just curious to explore that a bit because the thing, the feedback that I got when I went to Sydney, I think I just had like a terrible weekend there. But people told me, first of all, I looked on your RA and it said like the, your most frequently played club is Club 77, which is like the mm-hmm. only place that anybody said to me to go. But people were also like, there's not really like a place that people go in Sydney. It's just yep. where people just assemble at places, which seems so weird to me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I know. I do agree with that. It's same thing. Brisbane was, I, I feel Brisbane was like that for a while where it there wasn't like a designated venue. You know how they say like there's XE or there's Miscellanea, right? There's mm. always different events there. I think that's happening now in Sydney, though. Like Abercrombie Hotel. Oh, Abercrombie Hotel was lit, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. went there for the um. It's Nina relatively Jirachi new again. Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, vivid thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's happening again. I think that 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 is the spot now. Yeah. And then I think Seventy Seven still has that too. So I think it's it's happening. It's beginning. It's, yeah. yeah. It's beginning. As I was saying, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess like Sydney, yeah, is a very interesting place. But yeah. I think it's good to see that like stuff is continuing to happen mm-hmm. and the warehouse party thing is going off, but. Something that I thought was kind of interesting about Sydney is, like, you said that it felt like home. And Mm -hmm. for me, at least, when I went there, I don't know if I was going to the wrong place, but it felt (laughs) like it was so clicky and people didn't want anything to do with me. And, like, there's this weird scarcity mindset and no one's got weed because there's sniffer dogs everywhere. (laughs) And it's like, did you feel like you kind of, like, fell in with people that you knew already or you kind Mm -hmm. of carved out your own niche or...? Well, I think there's clickiness everywhere. I think that's inevitable. Um, cause you know, you can say that about Brisbane, you can say that about Melbourne, you can say that about Berlin, wherever. Mm. Um, for me, I felt very lucky because I was able to, I already had no, was able to meet people that I felt instantly comfortable with. And obviously, so when I decided to move, there was already, you know, people, I wasn't looking to, um, like, yeah, I was going to events and stuff like that, but I wasn't, my main objective was not to, um, you know, get into a clique or getting you know anything like that because I felt like I already had um core people that I connected with and then from there just manifested so I think um there is 100% clickiness everywhere for sure Mm. but I think it's to combat that finding people that one it starts with one 
So that's mm. the one person that you connect with and then it will extend from there. Because the, the people that get along with them will naturally get along with you and then and then it just, you know, manifests yeah, from there. Yeah, and I guess, like, as DJ as well and, like, someone who's working in events, there's probably a bit of a recognition of creative authenticity from mm-hmm. you as, like, someone who's, like, coming in and, like, contributing mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, that's, yeah, that's what I'm so grateful for. So I think um, my if I were to give advice to anyone, it would just be find one person that you connect with and then just be grateful for them and then go from there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think cool. the whole the thing is like people it might expect too much, like going to a new place thinking yeah, you'll get accepted straight away or this and that. But I think it's just if you look at it from a different angle of just being able to find genuine people, so more so quality over quantity, mm. um, that's the best way to approach it. And then your group will just form from there. Okay, well, nuggets of wisdom for the ultimate <laughs> reality in which I, like, moved to see <laughs> never yeah. happen. But yeah. I'm supporting you. I like yeah. that you're down there as well because it's, like, one more nice person to go hang out yes. with when I come down. Yes, anytime. Yeah. My yeah. dad lives in Newcastle, so I'm uh, kind of yeah. trying to come down a little bit more because he's sure. freshly I got single. you. I got um, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I think, yeah. like, in the summertime, it seems like Watson's Bay would be a vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I did actually want to touch on something that I know that you spoke about in your other podcast, what that you did with the beat was, like, you were saying that when you won the whore contest, you called your dad and told him that, like, you won oh, and you were yeah. getting flown to Berlin. He was like, I'm not happy about it. And you have a Vietnamese background. I'm yes. just curious about... Um, also, like, I know that the last song that you put on your mix that won was, like, one that your sisters yeah. and you used to play a lot growing up. I'm curious a bit yeah. about, like, the creative culture within your family yeah. and how that affected you. And also, like, kind of what your sisters are doing if they were listening to cool music <laughs> as well and if they're along your same line. So I didn't grow up with a musical background. Like, well, in Asian culture, they love karaoke, so there's that aspect yeah. of it, which is so normal. <laughs> My dad loves karaoke, too. Yeah, yeah, like, it's so that's fine. And then um, in Vietnamese culture, they have their own, you know, their own artists and that they love and everything like that. But, no, I didn't grow up doing anything musical at all. No instruments, nothing. Mm. So I felt... Um, also, like, even... I wasn't really doing much um, extracurricular activities just because, like... I wasn't allowed to for a lot of reasons. So I didn't have that ability to connect with people. Or like, you know, because that's what why kids do that to, you know, build their confidence mm, and, and be and able socialize. to socialize. Yeah. I did not do. So you're a bit handicapped. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. you come so far. You've I know. So far. Holy fuck, hey. But, um, and my sisters as well, they, like, they grew up in their own culture of, like, I think when they became teens or when they started going clubbing, it was the whole, like, hard style. It was, like, mm, trance, like, yeah. you know. Um, and so my sisters, and they like, you know, more mainstream kind of stuff, like Ed Sheeran, et cetera, et cetera. But, they, but when they were growing up, I was introduced to artists like Bass Hunter. But, well, yeah, like that kind of, that kind of, you know, yeah. music. And, um, yeah, that's track that I played at the end of the mix that I submitted, Castles in the Sky. It was, like, that trance, like, the old school fucking... Um, but yeah, that song, a lot of songs that they've shown me like that, or like Cascada, you yeah, know, evacuate the dance yeah, 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 yeah. every time we toes. touch, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. So that was the vibe. And, um, so yeah. And, and, and then with my dad, he, yeah, like, like I said, they loved their Vietnamese artists, but my dad did like, you know, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson, that kind of bit the big, big people, but overall, not really a musical background. Not much so, Vietnamese music playing in the house when you were growing up, or no, no, there w- there was like there's they have their own like version of 
entertainment shows and stuff that my parents would watch, which is which is cool. But um, in terms of and they loved karaoke, like I said, but no, yeah, nothing like oh, like playing flute or piano lessons and anything like that. Like I, although I do know that's a big thing in Asian cultures too. Like my mm. co- my little cousins got to do piano and yeah. do flute and whatever, but I uh, I just didn't have that opportunity to. So yeah, I didn't grow up to. So I loved music for sure because it also helped me growing up. That's the thing. Like it helped me get through a lot of difficult situations growing up, but um. Yes, I didn't expect it to be, you know, I don't expect it to do this now. Yeah. So even telling my sisters, but my sisters get it now a little bit, but not to the full extent. And when I, my parents definitely don't understand either because yeah. they're kind of like, what the fuck is a DJ or whatever. Mm. So when I, but, you know, I'm trying to carve like a new relationship with my parents and try to get over the just breaking patterns and stuff like that. So I called him and I told him, you know, hey, like I've, I won this competition, like it's a worldwide competition. I, I'm going to Germany, and he was just kind of like, "What?" And I said, "I I won this worldwide competition, like I won. It's worldwide, like holy fuck, and whatever." And I can't remember what he said, but then I was like, "Can you just can't you just tell me that you're happy for me?" And he was like, "I can't do that because it's not something I've ever experienced, so I'm not happy for you. I don't think it's safe." And da da da. And and the thing about that is, it's hot. It's a little bit devastating for sure because obviously innately I feel like it is a nice thing for your parents to tell you that they're proud of you. And I think that's how overachievers are created when they don't get Mm. that validation from their parents. But at the same time, it's just who they are. It's not, you know, it's how they were raised as well. it's what they can understand Yeah, and and so that's fine. That's totally fine. And I think um, I'm still going to do whatever the fuck I want to do, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think... Yeah, it was definitely difficult to hear at the time, but I think that the validation needs to come from myself and I'm, I'm coming from a good place. I know that I'm doing this for, you know, my own reasons. I'm doing it for a positive purpose. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, also I have some faith that down the line you will, your dad will understand and I think he'll, like, recontextualize his understanding of it because I think when I ran into you at Hope Street Radio last night, I, like, briefly explained, but especially for me, like, my dad is quite surprised and maybe was like a bit concerned at the start of this year because like I finished my bachelor's degree in politics didn't do politics loving Melbourne don't do anything really like before I did the radio show but like I don't know I'm kind of like I was investing in the culture in one way or another like you know it was really cool for me to be a part of music room and like do that and I was you know fulfilling myself and discovering like a new creative thing that I was really interested in and then Mm -hmm. yeah so when he came down like a couple of weeks ago, you know, I was really lucky, like shout out to my friend, Sam, who's hooked dad up with like, um, seats in the booth at like the jungle giants and like took him out and he got to meet all my amazing yeah. friends who were like super cool musicians, mm-hmm. amazing people. And he was actually pretty flawed by the people that they were and mm. like that they were so beautiful, yeah. so down to earth. They'd made this creative work that was so them. And like, they were just authentically pursuing yeah. their own fulfillment. And because mm-hmm. my dad is someone who's so utility he's like you know work results etc like he I think he imagined me obviously like kind of being like the smarter one when I was growing up like going down a pathway and now I haven't done that but when he left he was like I love you so much I'm so proud of you and I was like what it was was, like it was a really beautiful moment I I did internally it was like he was getting getting the red eye at 5 p.m so I couldn't really do much in the morning but I was processing it later and um yeah, it's pretty cool for like him to recognize um it's not necessarily not necessarily my achievements, but mm-hmm. my person and like he yeah. kind of understands what I'm gunning for 
mm-hmm. in doing the radio show. And because the thing is, like, money's not the most important thing to me right now. I feel like, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, like, kind of chasing some kind of fulfillment. Like we spoke about yep. before, I want to know that I've pushed this project to the furthest point yep. that I can push mm-hmm. it. And for him to be able to recognise that is, like, incredibly vindicating. So I think it yeah. will happen down the line in time, I'm sure. And like relationships yeah. with parents just grow and develop over time. Like my dad used to not like that I was gay, I swear. So there's like <laughs> been a lot of oh, progress made and I'm like things sorry. will always change, yeah. I feel. Yeah, I think for me, um, I've kind of accepted that they are the way they are and there may not ever be a moment of clarity in that way where they'll see that it's about passion mm. or being happy and stuff. Like, I'm not too sure if there will ever be a day that they'll come to a show or, be like, you know, come to support in that way. Um, but I'm – so, yeah, I'm just doing what I – where my heart's taking me at the moment. But I'm not expecting a moment where they'll – my parents will be at a show or anything like that. Depend, and it depends on what I achieve too because obviously one day I would love to be – maybe that's a cultural part of me, but be able to present something tangible to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just to – yeah, but I I don't know because I thought that this competition in some way would be you know something they'd recognize something they would yeah it, like because it's such a big thing mm. at least for me it was such a large thing but again I accept like who they are and I accept that there may never be that moment of you know validation or clarity but it's okay it's fulfilling in different ways so yeah yeah, yeah. well I think something that I was interested in asking which I think. I don't know, maybe, maybe like down the line it might help, but I was just curious, like when you, when I was, we were talking about like music, growing up with music and that kind of thing. And like, I feel like there's a new, pheno- well, it's not a new phenomenon, but mm-hmm. it's like a new celebration of people like expressing their culture through techno or house yes. music. Yes. It's like cool. Mokda and like, um, yeah. I think it's like Raquel, the girl, Linda from accounting who does two spoons. I know she recently did an NTS thing with, dang, yeah. it was like a dang dot radio yeah. show. So, um, or dang, I'm obviously missing <laughs> that, but it's like an Indonesian kind of like yeah. poppy music, um, yeah. that was on NTS and it was really sick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like a new and upcoming thing. I wonder if you're ever interested in like maybe getting back and like learning a bit more about Vietnamese music to put that into your yeah. tunes and sets. Well, it's actually quite funny because um, those shows I was telling you about, the entertainment shows that I watched as a kid um, with my mom having in the background, I actually recently just started because I love those. They're so entertaining, so entertaining. So I just remember watching it. But um, what they would do is uh, they would have a version, a Vietnamese version of every um, – you know, Western music, mm. like every, so that's what I'd watch growing up. Um, but in terms of like the sound, I'm not too sure yet because I'm still figuring my way out with production, but I absolutely, yeah, I know what you mean with like, I love Mokta, by the way. Yeah. So nice. Met, um, Daddy. Met him, <laughs> <laughs> met him um, for the first time, actually, like two, three days ago. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he's in the city at the moment. He's in Sydney, True. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, he's, he moved to Sydney, yeah. Yeah, but he's so kind and I really respect what he's doing mm. and I love him, love him so much, yeah. But, yeah, in terms of um, how I'm going to sound, you know, culturally within my music, I don't know yet. Just because I still haven't figured out the basics yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. So, but when I do, I mean, it'd be really cool because I do want to pay, like, pay homage to that. Um, and that's why, speaking of, you know, Vietnam and being in the Vietnamese culture, I had, sp- like, when I was working in Thailand, I'd made a stopover. But at the time I wasn't in music, I just went there for fashion purely to see the kids there and the brands that have come out there. Fucking insane, by the way. And then when I got into DJing, I realized I saw all of these amazing 
collectives in Vietnam for music for techno, mm. like these bunch of queer events as well, and everyone's so open and into the same music that we are. Um, so I actually messaged one of those collectives and I hope to come back because I wanted to fully move to Vietnam when I went there as an adult. You as speak a, Vietnamese? Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. So, yeah. so as an adult, being able to, there was no language barrier there. I felt so free because they're so accepting of, you know, like whether you're gay or share, whatever it is, no one gives a fuck. And it's so freeing there and the fashion there, the underground music is incredible. I can't, mm. I can't even, yeah, and I, like I can't even... Deal. It's kind of thriving, but not yep. recognized by the sounds of it. Because I remember seeing there was a lot of cool stuff on when I yeah, was I got to send some to there. you. Yeah, because but yeah, and I so I feel like it's becoming like the new Thailand though, but whatever. But I'm gonna go. I'm hoping to go back and play there too. So I think that'll be a great way to pay homage to my culture and be able to be like, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm going back to yeah, Vietnam I'm to going play. To Vietnam to play set. Come weird. Yeah. yeah. Because it was also when I was, when I had the job as a, because that's the thing, because I didn't study, right? Didn't get, you know, any degree for what I was doing. So my parents were also, they're always so surprised about the jobs that I get because mm. they're kind of like, how the fuck did you do that without it's going? It's a power of cuteness. Mm. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, it's a thing. But they, so when I was like, hey, I'm actually flying back and forth now. And then they were like, holy fuck. Okay, cool. And my mom could not wrap her head around the fact that I didn't study, but she's like, how did you make that garment? And I said, I don't know. And then I was like, and for them, they were also, I was like, yeah, I'm actually going to do a trip um, to Vietnam. And they're like, How, oh my God, like, cool. But it's still not like I'm proud of you. It was actually mm. like, how'd you do that? Like, They're a bit sus. Yeah, they're yes. a bit like, what the fuck? But, um, but that's the thing. I, I think that's why it's really funny. Because I, I know I'm sure like deep down they are proud. And I'm, um, even if it might not be verbalized, that's okay. But I'm hoping to, yeah, that's the thing. Come back for music, you know, and spend some time there and. Just tell my parents, hey, I'm going back to Vietnam to do music now. Yeah. Because I, I was going back to Vietnam, like, because I was going back to Vietnam for fashion, you know. So I was like, I'll go back for music now. Mm, yeah. And I feel like they're watching and observing and like learning to understand, you know, because it's the, the thing is, like, as I can't comprehend it because I have a dad who, like, grew up in Australia, but right. having Vietnamese family as well, it's probably so foreign, like, the whole scene thing. Because it's like. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think, like, the demands from an Asian family seem like they're a lot higher. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard. And I think a lot of people, that's what's not talked about enough. And that's what I always want to highlight is the, the you know, your upbringing and how it shapes you and how you're, you're trying to learn and unlearn so many things and how much of a burden that is. And that's currently what I'm dealing with, too. Mm. So, like, the older I get. But I hope, and, you know, part of what I'm trying to do is because I remember growing up and seeing, like, I felt like the black sheep, right? So for seeing my cousins growing up, who my little cousins, because I don't have a younger sibling, I have two older sisters, but seeing my young cousins go through, like, you know, the same shit, I'm just like, I want to be like, I got you, you know, mm. and I, I want to be able to show them that there's a different path and you can do what you love and there's a balance. You don't have to be a fucking, be, you know, broke and, you know, there's a balance. Like, you can have a casual job, but you you have to work hard still, which is great, which is what I think um was really good to be instilled in us at, at a young age but i definitely think the mental toll and some people may never get out of it or be able to break a pattern but i my purpose is to be able to do that that you can make it out alive and well yeah I whatever you yeah. yeah whatever cards you were dealt you know exactly and that's the thing i talk about this a lot because i think that for me coming to a city like melbourne especially you probably feel the same way maybe somewhat in sydney but like people who grew up in Sydney or Melbourne in, like, creatively liberal families, it's I definitely have had a lot of jealousy in the past that, like, they've 
come, they've grown up with this innate understanding or feeling that they can do it as a creative and try. And you actually have to, when you grow up in a family where being creative is not an option, you have to unlearn a lot of stuff to come to terms with that. But I think it's like, it's useless getting, you know, like harping on about like the advantages that you didn't have and you just have to like push through. But also like, even though it's a challenge with the family thing, it's also given you like that incredibly strong work ethic that a lot of people don't have and like it's yeah I'm really happy that I've come to a point like I've made my peace with everything and I can recognize all the gifts that my upbringing gave me as well because even though I was like creatively delayed Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm just like happy to have a family who loves me more than anything so Mm. bless up for that yeah and and family that loves you in whatever they in whatever way they do and can and I think also you know some people didn't grow up with a family and stuff like that so like I said I think in general just whatever cards you're dealt with I just want to yeah let people know just to find like what you love and be able to just push it push it because that's the and I but I think when I became aware of why I was the like I was you know what like why I was reacting the way I was or this and I'm like and I realized it was from you know family upbringing I think that became a crutch and excuse for a very long time and even to this day so that's what I'm trying to you know work on and get out of you know yeah and yeah. I think as you get older you realize more and more especially you know once again as I said you're someone with that je ne sais quoi you can do anything and you can make incredible things happen if you just believe it and it's obviously having the hard work to back it up but the the limitations that we have so many of them obviously I do this show because there's a lot of limitations which is like you know disability privilege many different things but right. a lot of like other stuff that's separate to that you often are mentally constraining yourself more than you're imagining sure. which is For like sure. yeah it's quite empowering to realize that and that's kind of like the central message of yeah. this podcast for people listening i hope that they can like listen to it and listen to someone who has your similar experience and see that they can also pursue whatever it is yeah. they want and like free themselves from that well i hope so because that's the thing i think like over the years whatever podcast i'll see there's like only snippets of what i've gone through that i've you know i can pick up and be like oh, okay that's relevant to me sort of but nothing as in depth that I've heard ever. So I think that's what I really want to want, hope people can listen, you know, listen to this podcast and figure out, oh my God, my stomach's making noise. <laughs> I haven't eaten yet. Um, yeah, we'll get you some lunch. But, you know, I really, because there, it's so hard. It is, and I can't, I try to preface it all the time because I think, like I said, social media highlights the best parts, but it's like people don't know that, oh, how soul crushing I felt or how anxious I felt or any anything that's going on in my personal life like they don't know how fucked it's been at all so I I want to be able to yeah keep going and keep pushing and but it is really hard because but but having to but having to accept that a lot of things that happen to you it's also your fault mm. in a way I think like like obviously like some things that people do you're like okay cool but then it's realizing that you do sorry you do have control. It's in how the much end. you let it define you. Hundred yeah. percent. And but that's the thing. I, I for so long I was so aware, and I and then only up until recently I was like, but there's just shit that I do that felt like something else was driving me. Because people mm. were like, why the fuck did you do that? Is it because of ADHD or whatever? Trauma response. Yeah, yeah, but it but something else was driving me, and then I had to. It just hits a cap on how how much internal dialogue you can have. So I had to go get you know proper help, and that's what I'm trying to do proper help because I can't I, I can't keep relying on people and I can't keep relying on like my internal dialogue to talk me out of so many things you know so I had to go get help because I want to be able to take full accountability for everything and 
yeah, make positive changes. But it is so heavy and difficult. You're unlearning and you're creating new habits of like a lifetime of habits. And, you know, I feel like you and I are both in our mid 20s. It's like fucking hard, bro, making a new baseline and like changing things. And it's really easy to get caught in the same cycle of like doing the same thing. But actually enacting change is so challenging. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to like back yourself. And well, it, it's important to congratulate yourself even for the progress you've made because it's worth yeah. celebrating because it's like better than you were the day before. And that's yeah. all you can do is like keep pushing and, you know, at, at 5%, you just keep 1% I'll be for now and then yeah. try and get the next one tomorrow. Like, but the thing about, let's talk about delusion for a second mm. because I, there is a factor of that when I was said that, you know, there was something else driving me. Like, you know, you want to believe in yourself, but then you also want to have a balance and have some logic within what you do. Because for me, so for example, the Europe trip music part was amazing. However, I overshot like how much I'd be doing there. So I decided to, you know, stay for two weeks because the Berlin thing was actually supposed to, it was only like the, the, sorry, the music thing was only like one or two days, but I was like, oh, I want to go to London. I want to go to, I want to go back to Berlin for a week. And, like, life stuff, like, financially planning for that. Like, I had just started a new job, but I was just, I was being delusional, thinking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. yeah. And I made mistakes there, and, like, expenses came out, and I was in unsafe situations, not having a place to live. And I'm just going to talk about that here, because it's like, you have to believe in yourself, but you also, there's a factor where you need to be kind of realistic. But that's the thing. I feel like if I didn't make that mistake, I would have never known. Because the thing is, if I only went, you know, flew in, flew out for the music thing, in the back of my mind, I'll be like, fuck, I could have been in Europe, you know? Mm. Like, I would always be questioning that. Because for the past few weeks, I've been beating myself up for, you know, how did, how did I fuck up so badly? And again, on social media, it looks amazing. Europe was fun and stuff. But it's like, no, I actually got myself into fucking dumb situations. Had no idea why. I put myself at risk. I was so, you know, just delusional in that way. So I just also wanting people to just believe in yourself but also take care of yourself because I think the delusion um kind of made me forget about the logic logistics of it all because it's like you have to fucking yeah yeah Yeah. for sure and it is a big opportunity but you know but I like I said you have to make those mistakes but just a note to be realistic as well in a way but again you wouldn't know if you unless you've made that mistake but also being able to forgive yourself for it and then figure out how to be better because I think my problem is I would just beat myself up mentally so like so harsh it can be so counterproductive and I think when there's also there's no one to police you in your mind to tell you that you're doing self-loathing so you just think that you're being strongly self-critical but self-sabotage yeah it's like you slide into it without knowing yeah yeah but but you know that that's another thing as well being able to kind of realize that you're going to make mistakes but just how to not dwell on it for too long and like how to not self-loathe too much mm, and learn from it and move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, but that's but that's what's hard and I think another thing that I'm unlearning too. You know, like you my, I'm my own worst critic, but I have to learn to be kind to myself and be patient too. But that's yeah, a whole journey in itself. But yeah. Yeah. you're like oh my god clarity i'm just processing like i'm like well it's really interesting and thinking about yeah i feel like you know going over to europe it's so easy Mm -hmm. to like you know you've won like you've done the thing you that is obviously a huge moment and you feel like this is like the beginning and pursuing like you're almost pursuing like an idea or like a perception of what it could be and it's just exactly though but i you wouldn't know if Mm. you 
because people talk about that it's all people talk about euro summer and people like go there for music so you just you're basing it off that which is fine which is so fair but that's the thing you just won't know until you are there like you won't know you won't make these mistakes until you do Mm. and you yeah so there's no way of knowing at all and i feel like i can imagine as well i think that quite a few people will be coming like that is not an isolated incident and the thing is at least you were going over there to do something that meant a lot to you Mm. i think that a lot of people are actually i think it happens every year but it's like people in melbourne especially pursuing the euro delusion and they come back with nothing or they go over with no money and absolutely fuck it and it's like yeah, it's just the desire to, like, be doing this thing or, like, maybe that you feel like all your friends have been doing it as well and, like... Exactly. You just... Yeah. So, the and for me, it just... That was definitely a shock because I... But, like I said, something else was driving me that I'm trying to figure out and shine a light on because it's it's important for me now to shine a light on, like, the darker areas of my mind so that I can, in the end, drive myself. Because mm. that, that's the thing. When people ask about Europe now, I'm like, I gained music was great I gained so much within music I've learned so much but I felt within my personal life I've lost a bit Mm. and that's what I'm dealing with at the moment but you know you just gotta not beat yourself up for it and be in a position to be strong enough to face the fact that you know you're gonna make mistakes and being strong enough within yourself to forgive yourself that's the hardest fucking thing ever Mm. yeah and having had that experience was, I guess, a bit traumatic and very educational and now moving forward yep. with, I assume, some professional help. Do you feel like you're moving forward in maybe more of a sustainable capacity now in what you're doing and what you're yep. taking on? For sure, for sure. I'm everything's quite planned in my head and I know I know where I wanna go and I know what I wanna be. So I, and I want like a good foundation. So like good baseline as to how I operate. So, you know, doing positive things and being and and having a purpose with what I'm putting out you know what I mean and doing gigs that are quality it's not about quantity Mm. but I want to do things that um that mean something to me for example like I my goal is to play festival you know this year and my goal is because I've like the best gigs in my life like I'll remember them forever so every gig that I play I hope that I'll give a piece of some piece of that for people to be able to walk away from and the thing is people message me or they'll come up to me in Sydney and they're like I remember your gig from 77 and I'm like holy fuck like stop it you know you had an impact on people is the purpose of what you do yeah I hope so like I I really do hope so like because life is so fucked and it is so hard for us mentally so I think that music and giving people just that little break for a second there is like amazing like I remember I used to stay up until 4am just making mixes on SoundCloud and I was I always say that I'm so happy that if one person listens to it yeah. and it makes their day, my job is done. Yeah. So, because I think when I got wanted to quit and was so caught up in what people thought, it it I lost that part. You know, I lost that whole thing because it was about gigs and then yeah. But now I'm like, you know, I can still do music in whatever capacity I can. Like I can put out mixes and it will reach people still. So, and in in the purpose of also talking to you and talking to whoever else is to be honest about where I'm at and be honest about what I'm doing. You know, it's not like about any other bullshit. It's literally just like trying to be honest because I understand social media and no one's going to be able to see what I'm like or what I'm going through via social media. So it's only through talking and speaking that they will. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's definitely worth applauding because that evolution, you know, I think you've been on the journey of like the thing of kind of doing it for the people and now doing it for you. And the fact that you having having someone come up to you and say, oh, having had an impact on them means so much to you really yeah, highlights that you're doing sure. it for the right reasons and also yeah. have the potential to stay in it for the long term because you're seeking something that's way more 
enduring than gratification. Um, yeah. And something that I finally wanted to touch on actually was when hearing you talk about, um, you know, running through heaps of gigs and doing stuff is something that I've at least realized recently is like, especially when you're young, just feeling so hungry and like the desire to like do it yeah. and like do all these gigs and do everything. And there's actually something that I've learned, especially this year is like to respect my cup and like try and keep my cup full and not emptying myself out just for like what I feel like I should be doing for the people out there actually mm -hmm. doing it for what's in here and like that I think is the key to sustainable growth because it's like you're actually you're doing your best but you're also respecting yourself and what you can do and your own burnout which yeah. is way more important than mm -hmm. anything else at the end of the day yeah because I but I needed like I said I needed to go and kind of go through that and I didn't like being boxed into like a certain type of genre of crowd and everything like that but I think when I took the break that I needed and I put out a, like that pure space mix, and I've mentioned this before, is like I wanted that mix to be what I listen to in my own time. Because people are like, oh, do you listen to like hard techno all the time? I'm like, actually, I don't. I listen to everything. And so I wanted that mix to reflect what I liked at the time and truly that. And I, then I felt okay with not doing gigs because I was like, you know, I can do this all the time. And then I put out that mix. on same thing with the whole mix. I was like, when I submit this, I want it to be truly what I like at the moment. And then on the, but what was nerve wracking about being on Hold Berlin was I was trying to create an amalgamation of, you know, the, what you heard in pure space and the heavier stuff. I was trying to combine those and to do so on such a large platform was very scary for me, but I think I executed it in the way that I wanted to. So that was good. But, um, and what I hope to make in the future is um, a mixture of all of that. I, I want it to be, to come from, yeah, I, I wanted to make people feel a type of way in, in a good way. Because I think as well, um, the thing I mentioned about the festival is like, I remember like going to one festival and seeing What's So Not and the ending song with the streamers Gemini. and yeah, and being, <laughs> yeah, and being with my friends. And I just remember that will always be in my head. And I think this, the, the thing is like the scale that I want to play at is I would love to, you know, so I was like, I want to play festival because I want to be able to affect people in that way. Mm, and craft you know? those moments. Yeah, but it's obviously taking the steps to do it. But I am doing my first festival. I'm doing Mode Festival. Oh, in, um, sick. Yeah, holy fuck, right? Doing Mode awesome. Festival. Awesome, I'll come down. Yes, yep. holy fuck, please. I'm so keen. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. October 14th. So Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing a festival there. Congratulations. I know. I'm stoked. I'm so That's grateful. like the coolest thing yeah. that came out of Sydney last year. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. It, it's really hard, like I said, the economy these days. No one's buying shit, but mm. that's okay. Um, whoever is there, I'm grateful that you're buying tickets. Thank you. But uh, I really, yeah, I want to... I want them people to feel that euphoric happy ending. Like that's always been the goal, you know. So I, I don't want to ever forget or stray from that the way that I did last year. Mm. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you and so much. Fuckhead Lynn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having Cheers me. To you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. If you like listening to Outside a Thread, be sure to subscribe now and stay tuned for future episodes coming each Wednesday. You can also follow my Instagram at Outside a Thread. <laughs>